Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, slash this evening, as we're recording this after 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here in the Northeast, our north of Philadelphia, Allentown, Pennsylvania, shout out to my locals. But uh, we're, t- we're going to be talking a little business today. Not just a little business. We're going to be talking about like 800 pounds worth of business, okay? Maybe a little guerrilla warfare in business. Uh, more importantly, we might be re- referencing how to become the 800-pound gorilla. So there's your hints. There's your tags. Uh, but the gentleman I'm bringing on today is our new guest co-host. He's a trainer. He's a coach. He's the creator of the 800-pound gorilla growth system. So without further ado... Carl Utter, sir, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, glad to be here. Good to have you, and thank you again for caring about audio quality and knowing what a proper microphone is. <laughs> well, you are most welcome. Because you and I both know that not everybody understands that. So, and uh, I, I, we care a lot about quality for our listeners. So, uh, but anyway, actually, for people who aren't watching this or listen, don't watch this on YouTube when we air this uh, in a few weeks, uh, we're actually streaming this live in the Facebook world as well. So uh, shout out to our Live the Fuel fans. And then obviously, uh, once Carl shares it to your big 800-pound gorilla fans. So Carl's Way Works is the Facebook page, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, it'll be shared there. So so Carl, you, you got a lot of going on, right? You, you like to help people generate more leads. You like to help them sell more deals. Uh, put some more money in the bank is, is something fun that I, I love in your bio. So why? Well, geez, that's a good question. Why? Um, you know, Scott, I, back in the eighties, I was doing some, my first full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, sitting in a sales training class, getting some training. I was a young pup just <laughs> out on the street. And I thought the guy in the front of the room had the coolest job in the world. And I said, I'm going to be like you one day. All right. And uh, so that, you know, I got bit by the, I got bit by the personal development bug uh, and, uh, you know, had, had they drifted over into the world of neuro-linguistic programming and did all that training and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, and, NLP. Yep. And then uh, ultimately ended up back in, in the, uh, the world. I, um, I worked for a company. I had grown it to, uh, oh, in 1993, we were Inc. Magazine's second fastest growing company in the United States, uh, right behind Gateway Computer at the time. That's uh, solid. Gateway and, uh, was going strong back then. Gateway was, Gateway was uh, growing. We were growing. We were number two, and we were growing at about 5,000% a year. Um, and I had a pretty large sales force and, uh, we ended up selling the company and I ne- needed to figure out what my next steps were. And mm-hmm. I was buying a lot of sales training for my team. So, uh, you know, I thought I would, I thought I'd just try that for a while until I could figure out what I wanted to do next. And, you know, lo and behold, 20 years later, it stuck. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? So I- I'm intrigued to hear your feedback on this, right? So I- I'm just like you guilty of the personal development bug, the professional development bug. Uh, we've discussed it many times on this show. I mean, God, we've aired over, well, when you air this show, we air this show, this will be over 300 shows in over That's three amazing, years. Scott. That's yeah, amazing right? that you've done that many. It's like, what the hell am I doing with all my time? <laughs> but, yeah, we know now, don't we? <laughs> right. So it's like, okay. But the beauty of this is, right, it's like I've, I've never taken on a paid advertiser. I've, I've, I've done this. This is a ton of free content. Why? Because I cared so much about personal and professional development, I wanted to launch my own platform to pass that on. But where I'm going with this, I'm interested to hear your feedback on is, you said you bought all these sales trainings, right? You you acquired all this knowledge. And one thing I've learned over the years, and thanks to some great coaches that I've worked with, is that you reach a point where you're acquiring and you're acquiring and you're acquiring, and you have all this knowledge, and you still keep thinking that you need more. And then it's like, wait a minute. Why don't you take action on some of this said acquired knowledge and see if there's actually already some wisdom to be passed on with what you already know? So when did you kind of, when did it finally like kick into gear? Like, wait a minute. I mean, I'll, I'll still probably buy some more programs, but I think I'm ready to just start passing on what I know. I've already got the systems. I've already got the knowledge. Let's, let's start teaching this. So when was the wake up call? 
When was it for me? Yeah. Um, well, for me, for me, it was, uh, like I said, I, I sort of stepped out of the company I was working for. Uh, we built it to the point that they were able to sell it. I needed to figure out what my next steps were. Uh, the local, the local Sandler trainer said, uh, you know, why don't you come to work with us? See if you like it. So hmm. I did, you know, and, uh, and I just love sort of passing. I just love training. I just love, you know, I just, I just loved it. Uh, I, you know, in those days it was brick, you know, brick and mortar live training. And, uh, you know, I just, in, in something for me, something happens when, uh, I get in front of an audience. As soon as I get in front of an audience, it's like everything I know just comes flowing out. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a data dump sort of way, just, uh, you know, it just, it just, it just clicks for me. I can, you know, it just always has. And it's like when I'm, when I'm training, it's like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So, so like, what I'm hearing there is, uh, we've discussed this on the show many times from an energy perspective, but you actually fall into your flow state. Like you, you're, yeah. you're in a yeah. place of strength. You're comfortable there. Like I'm the same way you reach a point where I actually learn better when I'm teaching somebody else, if that makes Absolutely. sense, right? Absolutely. Yep. When you have to translate the information back to somebody else, it's, it just amplifies what I already knew because now I'm, I'm teaching it, right? I'm sharing it. I'm passing it on, whether it's on stage, whether it's in a physical face to face, whether it's, you know, I would just joke around before we started the podcast. I, this is like my, I've been on the microphone for three hours back to back because I was on webinars and trainings and everything else, helping other people, help my clients. Now we're having fun podcasting. <laughs> so, and that's Somewhere why I love along podcasting. the way you're going to get to take a break today, Scott. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so, well, you know, so I'll, I'll go hit another workout. I need to give the give the voice a break and then uh, make the whole body sweat. So, but on this situation that we're kind of hinting at here is also like part of your growth is you're also acquiring, you know, new people for your podcast, correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And just to build on something you just said, you just hit on something that's kind of important because I think when you when you learn things to teach, you're learning at a at a at a at a different level. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not superficial. It's a much deeper level of learning. Uh, you know, we call it. You know, you go from knowing to owning, meaning <laughs> you you don't know what you don't know, right? And you go through some training and you find out what you don't know. You know, and then you then you know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you continue to learn it, you know what you know. Um, and then a lot of people get to the point, and I see this with entrepreneurs where they get to that fourth mastery level where they don't know what they know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's both good and bad because they they can do something so well, but they don't know how they do it, so they can't pass it along. And that's where people like you and I come in because we – we, because we learn it in such a way that we can pass it on, we know what we know and we know how we know it, that we're able to teach it. And a lot of people get to that point where they don't even know why, how they know it. Right. You know, and it, it makes it very difficult to grow salespeople, to grow other leaders in their company, to, to build teams. We were, so we were literally just discussing this point uh, a couple hours ago on my, my client's webinar that I run for them. We train, I train uh, her sales team and they, it's just like, there's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot to be coached. There's a lot to be trained. There's a lot to be regurgitated. Uh, but to your point, even the sales professional themselves need to be reminded that, well, hey, we've already trained on this. You actually already know it. So I need you to train it back to me. And I, I love getting you know, the pupil to become the teacher, right? Because I'm like, listen, I already know what I'm going to train you. But I got to know where you're at. We've trained on this before. So now it's your time. It's your turn to train me. Uh, now, do you do that with some of your clients as well? Because like, hey, man, like, great. It's dude, a great it's I've a already great trained exercise. you. Yeah. So, okay. Teach it back to me, man. Like, where are you at? Were you listening? <laughs> not, not only do we do that, but there, there are, there's a certain exercise we do where we make it, we make them in a, go into a group and put it into a rap song and then rap it back to us. Whoa. Okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I've never done that. Well, and it's all about getting them out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah. It's part of a bigger metaphor, but yeah. Now, where did how long ago did you start playing around with that a little angle? Oh, I started that probably about uh, about 10, 15 years ago. Really? Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you first dumped that on somebody, I'm guessing the average response is probably like deer in the headlights. People are like, what? 
Yeah, and of course, there's that's actually there's like three different exercises we do. Another one is we make them create a commercial. That, there's that's a pretty third standard. one where we make them do a uh, a public service announcement and a commercial. Another one we make them we have we make them take the pros and cons of a debate. You know, so mm-hmm. just various. Ex- these are all integration exercises designed to tell take that learning to a little deeper level. So. Well, so, yeah, I, but we always pick out the the straightest, most uptight person to do the rap song. <laughs> well, and honestly, and like a surprise, man, you know, they start out, you know, you know, they're trying to learn how like, to be a beatbox. Okay. Oh, man, that's good. I like it. Well, you know, it's funny because I used to be that guy like I I was back in the day when I was younger and I was. Uh, yeah. When I started growing my career, I was always worried too much what other people thought. Right. So. You're trying to make everything look perfect, and you, know, you start dressing better as you grow in your career. You start worrying too much what other people think, and instead of letting like the quality of your work come through. So I'm intrigued to see what you come up with that because the reason I'm bringing this up is even though we're talking a lot of business today, like this applies to life, okay? And I love reminding people that every single person out there, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're an employee, every single person has and has executed poorly and also greatly uh, methodologies of sales. Everybody has sales experience. They just don't realize it. So what are your thoughts on that? So, so I'm, uh, when, when you said that, what came up for me was some work I was doing uh, a while back with a, a gentleman named Chris Argus, which is the theory of looking good. Okay. And he talks about, uh, you know, looking good versus being good, mm-hmm. you know, and looking good is the enemy of being good because, you know, when you're, when you're, when you want to look good, um, you know, learning is a double-edged sword, right? So learning can be fun and it can be exciting when you're learning something new, but okay. it's also, you know, it's also, if you're learning, then you haven't mastered the skill yet and you're not good at it which means you have to be willing to be bad at something in order to be good at something. Ah, I like that. All right. Willing to be bad at something to be good at something. So, right? remind so you have people to put that... yourself out there and actually do it, right? Yeah. You know, we're trainers, right? We want to get it from the classroom into the field, right? Mm-hmm. Into action. And so if you want to look good, you know, you're not going to put yourself in that situation where you might fail, where you might look bad, you know, uh, for fear of I may not look good, right? So, you know, learning is a double-edged sword because, you know, on one hand, you're, it's exciting. On the other hand, you have to be willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation in order to grow. Very true. And I, I love it because what you just said, getting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, like these are actual le- life lessons. Again, like the target audience of this show is, you know, traditionally it's Gen X because I'm Gen X, but most importantly, the next generation is like, I want us passing on this knowledge like you and I are doing today to the millennials and the Z and whatever comes after that, right? Like, because a great coach uh, told me, he said, listen, you can acquire all the knowledge in the world. You can teach all the knowledge in the world. But the, the emphasis here is the teaching is to truly experience wisdom, right? Wisdom is passing the knowledge on. So if you just sit there and acquire and acquire and acquire and you don't pass it on, you're not giving back. You're not, you know, getting people and yourself into those uncomfortable situations where the learning most powerfully happens. Why are you even doing it? And I think so many people who don't take the risks, and I'm I'm a huge risk taker, (laughs) not just from a business standpoint, but really my lifestyle. I'm the adrenaline junkie. I skydive. I do all kinds of stuff. So it's like, guys, like I live and breathe the risk because there's just been so much learned and acquired from it. So how do you help people understand that risk-taking is essential? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so I use a technique called pre-framing. Okay. And I think you, you know, you, when, when you're going to put people in that kind of situation, you have to pre-frame what it means for them, what it's going to mean for them, you know, what's, what's going to happen and why it's good that it's going to happen and, and almost like pre-warn them. That okay. is going to happen. Now, when you set up a pre-framing, uh, are you looking for the shock factor right off the bat, like get jumping them right into that pain point so they get the wake-up call, or do you ease them into this? Depends. You know, I, I've used both approaches. I do like the shock factor every now and then. I like the shock factor 
in in that I I want to I want to calibrate how you react to the shock factor. Oh, okay. So, so you're getting you're getting a re, you're reading their responses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to see how they respond. Stimulus response, right? So so I will use the the shock factor, and then I'll just sort of get kind of quiet and see who's see who's sort of gone inside, and you know where where the smoke is starting to come out of the ears. Well, the best part where you just dropped there also is, and this is going back to the business side of things, right? This is sales 101 is that so often we don't pause and listen. And in sales, especially in your younger career, we're all guilty of this. These are those mistakes, right? We're like, go, 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 go. You're just sell, 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 sell. And you never get the other person on the other end of the process a chance. You never give them a chance to respond. And you could have probably stopped selling or explaining whatever you're trying to sell like 10 minutes ago, <laughs> but you're word vomiting all over your audience. So that's what I love you brought up there because the power of two-way conversation, active listening, if you never allow the listening to happen, there's no active listening. There's there's no two-way conversation. It's just you word dumping all over somebody. <laughs> yeah, and so when we teach listening skills, we not only teach, but we want to teach you to ask the question behind the question. You know, a question, one of my clients today on our morning call uh, said that uh, uh, he was down in New Jersey making a call on a brewery in New Jersey. And the guy said, I really, I really like, you know, it's really important to me that I get to meet who I'm doing business with, mm -hmm. you know, and he was reporting that back to me. And I said to him, so, well, when you asked him why that was important to him, what did he say? Because well, I guess it's important because blah. blah. I said, no, no. You never asked if you're say? guessing. Yeah. yeah. What did he say when you asked him that? Well, I guess we didn't ask him that. I go, you know, what you missed was there's your opening right there. That that guy's giving you a glimpse into his buying motivation. Yeah. Right there, you know, there's a big. That's his big why right there. He just put it on the table, and you know, you ran past it to get to what you wanted to get to. And you, you just, he opened the door for you and you forgot to go in. Well, and not just that, but because if you would have dug a little bit deeper and this is whether people realize it or not, there's always emotion involved in a lot of this. And that's what, that's what you're helping our listeners kind of peel back right now is that, I mean, I want people hearing this right now to really think about this. Like if you don't ask the question behind the question, I mean, Carl just helped us understand that, oh, he probably missed a big step that could have made the whole process a lot easier, but it's more than that. Because if you allow him to respond, let's say his response could have been, and I'll role play with you here. Uh, if I'm the guy and you, you'd ask me what he was, what you wanted him to ask, I could have been like, well, it's important for me to meet the people I do business with because, you know, I've been ripped off before. You know, I, I've hired people virtually over the phone or online and they promise a big game. And then it turns out, their business doesn't even exist or and it was all a facade. Well, I mean, so there's some pain there, man. There's, that's there's some right. fraud there. Well, now I can, I can work on that, man. That's I mean, right. And, right? and what we say is the reason he told you that is more important than any response you had to that. Yeah. And then, and honestly, you could, I mean, now granted, obviously your client still went and met with them. Right. But yeah. the beauty of this is that before you even go and meet with them, you already know this. And then you make that that handshake even more powerful. And you know what? I'm glad I could come down here and just put you at ease. I didn't, I mean, it's so great to know that you as a business and as a customer care so much about the good old-fashioned in-person handshake and the face-to-face -face business. Mm -hmm. And listen, if you ever want to keep things going, I'm happy to keep coming back here. But I'm glad we at least started off on the right foot the way you want to do business. You keep putting it back on them. And then honestly, like he that could have that closed the deal. It doesn't matter what you're charging or anything. But that I, guy was like, Great, you did exactly what I wanted. You met and, with me. And I want you to know because I'm sensitive to what happened to you, I'm gonna personally oversee this project, make sure it gets done, it gets done right for you. Oh, yes, that's another good example, right? Because that could have been the other pain point is that, oh yeah, great. The person shows up. This happened to me. I, actually, this is a great example. A really crappy contractor, which I'm in a lawsuit with right now, came here, quoted a patio for our backyard last year. They installed said patio and then destroyed all the property around the patio by driving a 30,000-pound concrete truck across our yard that's been here since 1910 that's never had a vehicle driven on it. Now, and then they called that normal job site wear and tear, and it was not a responsibility to fix it. Anyway, fast forward— <laughs> I was out of town when my wife took the quote. Well, the owner came and quoted the job. 
and then we never saw the owner again. Other people on his team showed up. Other people did the work. Even after the damage was done and I sent him photos, he still physically never came back to the property, sent his guys back. I'm like, dude, like that, is, that totally ties in with your story. I now have an emotional pain point. Going forward, I'm not just going to make sure the guy comes here. I, I now screen every single contractor. I'm doing web website research. I'm seeing if they exist. I need testimonials. I never cared before. I was a pretty simple dude. Like, dude, just come out, quote the job. I gave you the handshake. I'm fine. But that dude destroyed it for everybody else <laughs> because I have pain point now. Like you, you, you just you 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 left you left ruts four feet deep in my yard. I could drop into a push up position and disappear into that rut. <laughs> and you want to you want to uh, call that job site wear and tear? Oh my god. Anyway, not I, not that deep. I figured not you'd appreciate deep. that because like you and I both interact with blue blue collar uh, entrepreneurs, not just white collar, right? And Dude, your 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 word is your and is your reputation, and your reputation is your business. And it's like when I see people and I meet business people like what those idiots did last year, I'm like, dude, you could have, I could have sent you so much business because I'm a marketing professional. I'm I'm not just a networker. I'm a connector. I send people business all the time. I was like, you burn such a huge bridge. You have no idea. So what are your thoughts on that, Carl? Because like. You, you and I are on the, on the same vibe here. Like, man, why do why don't businesses understand that? It and especially in that world, Scott, where where you know, I mean, Yelp with with you know yeah. with things like Yelp. I mean, your reputation today is transparent, mm-hmm. especially like Google reviews and Yelp. Yeah. And, you know, things like Angie's List. You know, get two three bad reviews. You know, your stars. I mean. Today, when with contractors, you can go online and you can see mm-hmm. what everybody's experience is with that contractor. Well, you and know? on that note, I've been on a little bit of a, a leash. My wife, who's dealing with the lawsuit because it's really more her fault, not my fault. <laughs> but you know, we're a team. So, but she, I was like, listen, I was like, because I'm an online guy, I could have destroyed this company's reputation because they're barely a blip on the radar. Well, I was about to put a whole lot of blips on all those platforms that you just said, and I did not. I actually paused. I said, you know what? I care about business. Let me see how they come back. Now, obviously, since they're actually trying to sue us for not paying the bill, well, now it's on like Donkey Kong, man. Like, dude, I'm just waiting for the go button. Once my lawyer is done, and I know we're going to win, so I'm not worried about it. But then my wife says, okay, Scott, go. Because like, listen, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm not like, you have nothing on Angie's list. I'm going to put you on Angie's list. You don't have a website, but you have a Facebook page. I, I could submit, because it's my right as a consumer, to submit negative reviews across all platforms. And right. you, you know from Yelp, you submit one negative review on Yelp, Yelp will always put the negative reviews first. You could have 500 great reviews, but they'll always rank those negative ones first. It's so annoying about Yelp, but we can't change it. It's their algorithm. That's right. Yeah, they just changed that too within the last year. Yeah. So. Yep. It's all these little things. It's like, dude, there's so many things I could be doing, and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Um, But I figured you'd appreciate that because, like, you you know, but you know, and and two, it comes back to character, right? Yeah. We shouldn't be doing those the right thing for a customer because it's going to help our reviews. We should do the right thing for a customer because it's the right thing to do. Right. And you know what it is? I'm intrigued to see this is in your book as well because, you know, more leads, outsell, outperform fine, right? But so many businesses make the mistake of going for as many sales as possible. And they forget the power of quality, right? Quality over quantity. So I'm intrigued to see where you want to go with that. Like, what are your thoughts on that that quote? When you say that, I'm I'm in the process now of working with a company out of Oregon. And Mm -hmm. uh, we just went and did some assessing of his sales team, you know, some online assessing that I use. And, And basically, you know, we come up with this team report and basically... So this guy's got a lot of average salespeople at best, maybe even below average, a little below average, but they're all exceeding the industry. You know, they're all exceptional. I mean, they're all doing close to 2 million a year in sales, which is really good for, you know, uh, the contractor's world gap, you know. So the, the moral of the story is they're succeeding because of the company and the company's reputation you know, um, and not because they're great salespeople, wow. but 
just how strong the company's reputation. So these sales guys are almost are able to ride on the quality of the company's reputation, them caring about they, their they, customers. They're on easy street, baby. They're walking into, you know, basically they're walking in to a situation where they're pre-sold. So how do you address that with a business owner then? Because it's like, obviously that's a huge win for the business owner and what they've done from a marketing and a reputation standpoint, but it's also like, Dude, you should have your salespeople driving that business, not riding on Easy Street. Well, imagine if you had better people. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'm I'm telling the guy now we get the right people, or we take we take these people and grow them. Yeah. I mean, we could probably squeeze another eight hundred thousand a year out of your existing. You know, I'm I'm saying, I think I can give him a about a ten percent bump. You know, off his existing revenue, which is about eight hundred thousand a year with with only doing one thing and that's upgrading the skill sets of the sales team. Well, and I'm, I'm not about, you know, firing people, letting people go anything else, but I also believe in having the right people on the team. You're saying if most of them are average or somewhat below average, depending on their, on their industry standard on sales. Uh, also, what if he's employing too many salespeople? If he's got 10 people, let's say on the team and they're all average to below average and you, you run through a training program, you could help him cherry pick out his top people that are capable of learning and growing. And then he can actually do the same business up that more with actually only seven salaries instead of 10 salaries, right? Yep, yep, that's that's true. Or keep the same team and let's, let's see if we can't squeeze some more dollars out yeah. of the same number of leads. Acquire more market strength or maybe tap into a whole new market demographic that they didn't, weren't able to do before, right? So. Yep. so Yep, you've got all those possibilities that exist. But first, first thing he's got to do is address the team. You know, address the the, the you know the, yeah. the skill set on the team, or decide that hey, I'm going to stay right where I am, level out. But this is a guy who knows he's number one in his market. Everybody's coming after him. He is the 800 pound gorilla, okay. but he wants to make sure nobody else gets a hold of my material ah. to overtake him. So he's looking for staying the 800 pound gorilla, or really becoming the thousand yeah. pound gorilla. I mean, he, he knows that he knows he knows that there are some people coming after him. Oh, okay. And he needs to upgrade, you know, to stay number one. So he, he he wants to secure his position. Yep. Actually, I like that point. It's rare. I like that That's point. Really rare. You know, we and this can tie because we talk about health, business, and lifestyle on this show. So this benefits listeners who are like like great in their game. A lot of us get comfortable, right? We get. Like we know we're kicking ass and taking names, right? And then we just we just start we get comfortable. You, you could do. be a top athlete, a top performer, top employee in this situation, right? Or, or those guys aren't the top employees, but they will be when you're done with them. But the point is, is that it's very easy for us to become kind of lackadaisical. And it's interesting that this owner recognized that and was actually reached out to you. I'm very intrigued. Did he? Do you know? Like, was that be thanks to your sales process and inquiring him, or he found you? So he had bought some software and okay. I had trained the guy that, that sold the software. Wow. And the owner was intrigued with how good the software sales guy was. They started doing some role playing and he was teaching the, uh, it was an estimating, it's estimating software. These guys are painters. Oh, okay. It's estimating software. Uh, and uh, so, so the guys, you know, they, 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 they were telling him how good, how good they were. And he started throwing some objections at him to see how they would respond. And they got tongue tied. Oh, wow. Oh, so he, he stumped them you know? just with, with objections. So he started, he started playing with them and helping them overcome the objections and showing some of the things we showed them. And they're like, wow, that's great. Where'd you learn that? Yeah. You know, next thing you know, the guy's calling me saying, Hey, I want you to come to Oregon for a couple of days. I'm like, Whoa, what am I going to come out there and do? And, you know, let's, let's, why don't we do some little assessing first to find out where the holes are that we can plug. So. Yeah. I was going to say, and plus, I mean, cause that, that's good. You're going to have to charge him a higher stipend to offset your travel costs and everything else. And it's like, and there's a time commitment there. Cause that's taking time away from your other clients. So it's like, wait a minute, a lot of this nowadays can be done virtually, not to say that you're not going to go out there physically, but it's like, let me at least do some virtual assessment first. That way it sets you at ease as an owner. You're not just flying me out there and just dump me into a world of who knows what's going on. So, well, not only that, but if you took that same money and and broke that down into incremental, you know, incremental Sessions. little sized bits spread out over time, yeah. you're going to retain a hell of a lot more of it than you know drinking from the fire hose. You're gonna. I like that because you know, I talked about this recently with somebody on a different show, but they we were talking about how. 
you know, people just want to keep learning, right? And, and, and acquiring the knowledge, but then they're not executing on the said knowledge and actually truly being trained, right? And being learn, learning through training. And the thing about training is you're hinting at is that, okay, I could do one big educational event. Uh, companies do this all the time. They, it's like a quarterly event or that once a year, big hoorah. And everybody comes in, they're all high as a kite. They're excited. It's a big thing, you know, Foods paid for, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they do it as an off-site event, so people get excited. It's almost like a day off from work, whatever. But that's it. It's once a year or twice a year. Like, How are you filling in the gaps throughout the year? So I liked your point on this is that if you could break it up into more digestible content and over time, well, now you're actually executing on an actual training program. You know, there's that's chapters right. being digested. Right. You know, and, and, and the, the analogy I use is is if you have a cup that's this big, and I come in with a pitcher of water that's this big. We're just spilling water. Yeah, yeah. There's, they, they can only sit and acquire so much knowledge. That's like sitting that's on right. a webinar. People who run these three to five hour webinars. I'm like, what? How? Like, I've already tuned you out after 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, maybe depending on the person's you know uh, uh, ability to acquire knowledge. And that goes back to I learned that years ago too. And just when you're up on stage or you're presenting with people, like, you got to break up your content. Like I spoke at a podcast conference this weekend, 20 minutes tops. I don't like talking longer than that. I'm like, I'm good. Let's hit hard. Let's hit fast. Let's get it out there. Let's move on. Well, I think I, I read something or saw something. You may know more about this than I do, Scott, but Ted, they limit their talks to 18 minutes for that very mm -hmm. reason. It's, it's, uh, I think they base that on, there's sometimes it was either psychological data or just natural knowledge and brain pathways. I don't know. It's I, You're right. The TED Talks, because uh, we actually have a local TED ch uh, chapter here that I've been asked to come. I, eventually, I'll find time for that. I, I would like to do a TED Talk. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, but because, again, it'd be put into an uncomfortable situation, right? Like, okay, well, I've never done a TED. I got to follow their programming and their structure. And that's why I haven't done it, because I'm like, I already do public speaking. Why should I have to go follow your program? That's but, right. That's right. But TEDx is pretty successful. A lot of people have gotten some great exposure of it, so I can't count it out. But yeah, you're right. They do have a, they have a very specific format. Yeah. And they, they, I think they've done some research on that. So, uh, used to be all those Ted talks came out of Stanford. So I figured they know a little <laughs> something out there. Yeah. That's a pretty good school. Yeah. They turn out some really good, stuff. good But hold on. Let, yeah. let, let, well, let, you have UPenn though. That's not bad either down by you. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where my wife went to school. So she went to Cornell and UPenn. So she's a smart cookie. Um, you know, I'm glad we actually married up. This. Good move, Scott. Hey, that's how you do it, man. I, I, I went to Penn State, dude. I'm a state school guy. She, I totally married up. <laughs> You're just arm candy. So, but let's talk about that. The school thing. Interesting little segue. You, we, you and I are you really, talking about contracting really businesses. Just about anything to go anywhere, can't you? Yeah, I can go anywhere with this. That's the beauty of podcasting, right? But it's all ties together. A lot of people nowadays, modern education, people are still telling, teaching kids. Go to school, mm -hmm. go to school, go to school. But it's debatable whether they're teaching, though, but go ahead. Very debatable. <laughs> and I'm not going to go political on this. I'm going to go with just quality content and what is needed in the business world today. I went to a tech school when I was in high school. So I went to high school half the day, and then I went to a vocational technical school. And they rebranded as like Career Institute of Technology or whatever. But I studied microelectronics technology, and then that made me go to school and I want to go study engineering. It doesn't matter. My point is this. Um, I hired a guy today. He came in at 8 a.m. this morning to fix our dishwasher. My wife's like, well, you could have done that. I'm like, yes, but I know what my time is worth, and I don't care to learn how to exchange pumps in an appliance. I believe in hiring professional tradesmen that do this for a living. And this company, I found out, has like seven techs. They have fully wrapped vans. I didn't even know these guys existed. Like their whole niche is just appliance maintenance. Mm. And they're actually doing very well at it. And he actually said he's actually taken care of pretty well as an appliance tech. And I'm like, really? Like there's enough money in appliance techs? That's just one example. No college education. I know in the I, one of my biggest clients were in the HVAC sector. You and I talk about this on your show. And it's like, wait a minute. I know HVAC guys, depending with the right company and what you're doing and how you're incentivized, you can eventually break six figures. So what are your thoughts on when people talk about school? I'm doing air quotes for the listeners out there. So with my hands, like, what is your thoughts on this? I think it depends on what you want to do afterwards. Okay. Um, 
I, I, I'm of the, I don't see why somebody should go hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt uh, for a, a general education, you know, unless, you know, they have a specific, you know, if, if you know you want to be an engineer, you know you want to be a lawyer, you know you want to be a doctor, yeah. you know, th that's the only way, that's the only way forward. Yep. Um, the, uh, you know, it, it, 20 years ago, you know, it's like when I was growing up, you had to have a high school education. Um, and, if, you know, I think I was like one of the first people in my family to ever go to college. Yeah, I'm, I am. I'm the only person who yeah. went to college in my family. Yeah. My, you know, out of all my, my father had seven brothers and sisters out of all that, you know, my, myself and my cousin, we graduated the same year. We were both the first two to go to college. Um, and, um, and that was rare, you know, and then, you know, in the eighties, you had to have a college education in the nineties, it was a master's degree. Um, and now what you have is you have a lot of, you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of these millennials now they're coming out of college and they're, they're, they're acquiring massive amounts oh. of debts and they're starting in a hole. Um, way worse. And, I still have some college debt that I'm wiping out and that's nothing compared to what they're getting now. Nothing. That's right. That's right. You know, meanwhile, there's such a shortage of, of, um, blue collar workers, you know, um, my son just decided he wanted to go be a tractor and trailer driver. Yeah, uh, get, a, get a CDL. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, he's getting a $5,000 signing bonus. They're going to pay for him to go, go to school and mm -hmm. learn how to do that. He's already got a job. Um, and he's got a better job waiting for him as soon as he gets out. I know um, CDL drivers that are doing six figures. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, my, you know, and my son, he, he, he knows he'll work, but his priority is his family. You know, it's yeah. not, he's not, he'll never be a workaholic. He doesn't like work as a means to an end for him. Not a, you know, I think guys like you and I, we, we love work, yeah. right? It's not work. You know, one of my clients said, well, it's only work if you'd rather be doing something different. Yeah. yeah my, my wife actually uh, calls me out all the time. Cause she's like, you're acting all stressed out. I'm like, yeah. She's like, it's probably your fault again. Right. I'm like, it's literally my fault. I'm like, yes. She's like, stop taking on so many things and launching so many projects and you won't be so stressed out. And I'm like, I know, but I can't help it. <laughs> like, but I want to. You know, so I, yeah, Hey, I, I, I dug the hole. I'm jumping in, you know? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing that. I'm putting, I'm putting the, uh, the whole 800 pound gorilla, I'm shifting it over online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got a lot of big and moves. Consume it online and, and I'm laying out the the modules and because and, online you know, education things, is bigger now. Trying to get things from MP3 to MP4s to YouTube's back over to the website, you know. And you see what you're doing right now is segueing what we just talked about. Is that that's kind of where I was taking this? Is that yes, we just promoted the fact that blue collar is still important, tradesmen's important, college isn't for everybody. Uh, I didn't originally want to go to college, and then I eventually made myself go to college, and then I took time off and then I made myself go back and then I eventually finished my degree and I have a BS in marketing and psychology. I don't use anything business related that they taught me in school. Everything in my business was self-taught, self-acquired, personal professional development, etc. But where I'm segueing this is what you just commented on. You yourself are retooling your business. You're reinventing yourself and realizing what's happening in the market. I nickname YouTube, YouTube University. You want to learn how to or why to do anything, you can just search on the YouTube engine and find it. Amazing. YouTube, next to Google, is the world's second largest search engine. It's just built in a different way. If yep. people want to watch how to do something, they're going to go on YouTube. Well, whether it's YouTube or your own video educational platform, great. I can now. You can now, as you finish moving everything, you'll be able to acquire an audience from anywhere, virtually, through technology. Yep. You're no longer restricted yep. to an area code or flying to Oregon. Like you could just have a company buy into your platform and let them go at their own pace and train off of your system. And you don't even have well, to do that's anything. It. And, and now what we're moving to instead of live training is, is you'll go consume the training at your own pace and then you'll come to the group for implementation. There you go. So it's implementation coaching, implementation support. Yeah. So you go learn it and I'll teach you how. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to train you online and then coach you how to implement it into your particular business. And that's and honestly, like look look what the universities are doing nowadays. When I when I was finishing my degree on nights and weekends years back, they were just moving most of the curriculum into the hybrid format. And then once I once I finished, they had fully converted almost all the programs that I was studying into online education. So like even the universities now are letting you do everything remote. But what they're missing out on is that final execution, what you're just hinted at. They're not giving you, like, they're great, you get a piece of paper. Now what? You've graduated. You have you have a shitload of debt. <laughs> you have a great piece of paper that goes in a frame, and now you could check that box in your job application. Unless you want to become an entrepreneur, there is no job application, right? You start your business, you got your piece of paper on the wall, and who's training you on the execution? You got to... Like no one teaches. Well, now they're getting better at it. Some schools are now teaching entrepreneurship. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. But there's few even schools between. teaching sales now, which they never used to. Do. <sighs> see, see, I'm, I'm going to give you a pat on the back here that professionals like you and I should be teaching that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, what do you mean? You, you okay? you better be bringing a top sales professional in that's currently still selling to teach that course at a university. Or are you hiring a professor that hasn't sold in 10 years? I'm not saying they don't know how to sell. I'm just saying this is something you got to keep up with, right? That's why you have the 800-pound gorilla. you got to keep many, up with this and, stuff. And many times that sales course is part of a much bigger entrepreneurial culture, sales and marketing. Right. Or, you know, so it's not, a, it's not a specialist teaching that class. Yeah. So It gets, it gets very diluted. Teaching, man. I agree. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. Well, and that's why you have your programs. Like, when uh, do you have a timeline on on the full conversion when you're moving everything to virtual online? Are you, are you still going to do it the old way too, or are you going to support both? Um, yes, I will. I'm sure they'll always. Well, the, for me, the old way is online, anyways. I mean, I have a. Uh, uh, I just trained uh, nine guys down in Philly, and it was uh, you know an hour and a half a week on Zoom. So yeah, it, you know. Um, but then I go down once a month and work one, you know, work with them in a group to, you know, um, to, to me, the, the training's the easy part. It's the getting it from, okay. It's, it's getting it from information to a skill, right? Yeah. So there's a process, there's a process in between. Here's some information, mm -hmm. right? How do we take that information and convert that into a skill? I right? agree with that. There's, there's some, there's, there's a big piece in the middle that, uh, you know, even with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these guys doing these webinars, you know, it's just information download. The information could be good, but how do we, how do we, how do we get, how does that translate into behavior in front of a customer? It's just like when I go to these conferences and I see the same faces coming back to these conferences, right? It's like repetition, repetition, repetition. So now when I see some people, the fellow podcasters, whatever, I'll be like, oh, not just conferences, right? But I'll say, hey, man. Well, since last year's event, what what amazing trainings have you committed to? And sometimes I get deer in the headlights. And I'm like, so do you just come to these conferences for fun? I mean, I do sometimes, but like, what do you mean? I'm like, <laughs> but I was like, okay, but what are you doing in between? Like, if let's say you only go to one conference a year. Let's just target podcasting because I, I just went to that event, right? So if you just go to one conference a year, that's one weekend out of the year. There's a lot more weeks and a lot more weekends and a lot more self-help, professional help time that you could be filling in throughout the year. So if you're only doing one conference or let's say you're doing 20 conferences, there's people who do that. They just spend tons of money in going to conferences. They're like, oh, I'm learning. I'm like, are you? Because to your point, you got to get into an execution program, a training program to develop this stuff into a legitimate and sustainable skill. That's and right. People hearing this. This, this is not even just sales related. You could look at this for sales, marketing. You could look at it uh, like going to the gym. I'll go, I'm going to go. Someone's going to show me how to curl a dumbbell. Well, great. I'm, I'm done. I know how to curl a dumbbell. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you think Olympians reach the Olympic level in their sport because they learned it one time or they heard it and watched it one time? No. They had professional trainers getting them to the Olympic level. So I'm intrigued to see how you want to respond. Yeah, one, oh, and one of the things I, I, one of the things that makes me cringe in the sales training world, you, we do, we do get a lot of people that come our way that have had some sales training, you know, for some other, 
other sources, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, it's always good if you can get just one idea. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, this is not one idea training. This is an entire system that's going to that's going to take your career and put it on steroids. OK, mm. so, you know, bend over, show <laughs> me where to inject the needle, because, you know, this is not one idea training. We're going to completely reengineer the way you sell mm. for the better. So, you know, take your take your one ideas and let's just get rid of them because because we're going to rewrite the we're going to rewrite the program. Here. Well, you got to get people cringing from that. I mean, oh, I, oh yeah. yeah, I mean, you yeah. Got, but you got to get them over that hurdle. That's the biggest thing. Uh, if we could rewind that to earlier in the show when you That's mentioned one of those this. shock value, yeah, the shock factor, right? It's like, guys, yeah. like, here's the thing. The reason why I'm an adrenaline junkie is because as you progress through this, this life cycle, of embracing change or embracing the shock value, if you want to call it that, is it gets easier. I mean, do you help guys understand that in your program? Like, guys, like, if, if you can get over this, it's going to get easier because that's the point of training. We're, gonna, we're getting it to the point where it becomes second nature. It is easy for you. You no longer, hopefully, you, you reduce these shock factors and you could just flow with those objections, like full circle back to earlier in the show. You're like the guy starts throwing objections at that guy, and he was like, ah, "Like deer in hell is he know how to respond?" Like that's the point. Take well, a breath. Well, one of my favorites is, "Well, why are you objecting? Why do you object? You're you're paying more. Well, why do you object to that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I noticed you had a beautiful Honda out there. You yeah. know, you could have had a Yugo." Yeah. How old I am. I, I know what a Yugo is. I do. All right. People hearing this, like, what the hell's a Yugo? That car does not exist anymore. There's a yeah, few rare ones that might still be running somewhere, but um, that'd be really impressive, actually. <laughs> I don't even know what took the place of the Yugo. So, I, yeah, I mean, back then you also had to dodge horizons and all that kind of stuff. But that's a good point. People people think that objection objections sometimes don't make sense. But in the sales world, I actually look forward to the objection. It's a challenge. It's like, okay, that tells me I didn't get the full process across. I didn't get my full execution across or I just, I didn't pay attention to my audience and I didn't adapt into what they need. So, I get nervous if I don't get objections because it probably means you're not buying. Hmm, interesting. So if you're not buying, why would you object? Good point. Good point. <laughs> you know? Well, I tell so, people all the time, uh, you know, no just means not right now. Right. It's like, okay, well we haven't built that relationship enough to progress further. It just means that, hey, there's, this, this is probably going to be a little bit longer of a sales cycle or longer of a, let's you know, let's not call it a sales cycle, but let's call it a relationship building process because that's what part of this all is. Like Everything you and I have been talking about today, it all comes back to building relationships. That's yep. a true sales professional. It's not just about the dollars. Yes, you can make more money. Yes, you can buy nicer cars. Yes, you can live a better lifestyle. But are you solving people's problems? Are you getting to know them? Are you building the relationship? Are you even taking the time to find out what people's problems are? Ooh, good so going back to what you said, you know, is, is right. You know, it's, are, it, it, are you finding out what their problems are or are you just, you just out there telling people how great you are? Yeah. I, I got a good you know? buddy of mine. He's a um, professional uh, sales professional for the, the billboard industry, right? All those digital billboards along the highway and everything does very well for himself. He's an amazing sales professional, and he'll tell you. He'll tell you the first one. Every time I talk, sit down, I talk to him. We go grab a, a drink or some wings. We go mountain biking together, and he's like, dude. I was like, why do you love what we do? And I remember asking him that, and he said, yes, I make good money. Yes. He's like, but it's not about that. He's like, I love helping a small business figure this out. Like, bring the right people into their business, keep their doors open. He's like, when I have a customer that it's been my customer for 10, 15 years, I'm helping them and their family keep their business open. Like he's very passionate about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So he no, doesn't look that, at it as a it goes, sales. And, and if you think about it in the bigger picture of things, it's that old, it's that old, uh, that old, I don't know if it's a story, analogy, metaphor, what it was, but nothing happens in this world to a salesperson does their job. Hmm. Right. You ever heard that? No. Interesting. So, you know, it, it, so if, so the sales, when the salesperson makes the sale, right? right. The guy, the guy in bookkeeping has got to issue a bill. The guy in the factory has got to build something. Mm -hmm. The truck driver's got to, you know, go to work. The, the guy at the gas station has got to give him some gas to get the truck to where it's going. Good right. Point. You know, I mean, it keeps everybody, going and going. everybody goes to work, yeah. you know, when a salesperson does their job. 
which cracks me up when I see companies, uh, they cut the sales budget instead of the marketing budget. I'm like, first of all, sales and marketing have to work hand in hand. But I was like, okay, you, you cut the marketing budget, you're basically cutting off the extra tools that the sales professional needs to get the job done and work with everybody else, right? I remember one thing, guys. I was with a guy and he goes, I don't, I don't have anything in the anything in the budget for training. I says, well, take it from marketing. They haven't done anything in years. Oh, nice. I like it. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's true. Like when people cut off training, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. All right, you should be growing your team, growing the knowledge, growing the not just, again, not just growing the knowledge, but growing the ability to execute on the knowledge to build it into skill sets. That are sustainable. Here's, here's a here's one you can take with you the next time somebody gives you a hard time. There's only one thing worse than training somebody and having that person take that skill with them to another company and leaving. Okay. And that's not training them and keeping them. Oh, like that a lot. All right. All right. That's good. There you go, people. There's something to take a note on. Hit pause. It's digital content. You can pause that. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Well, listen, Carl, I've had a blast today, man. I mean, well, I'm glad, Scott. Yeah, glad. I mean, you're a really cool guy, man. Oh, well, thanks. You're all right. You're pretty cool to yourself. I, I don't have an 800 pound gorilla. I mean, I, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> you are the walking embodiment of the 800 pound gorilla. Oh, well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, listen, well, on that note, um, because the 800 pound gorilla is awesome. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't watched this on video, he's, he's got the awesome digital backprint. And actually, uh, just for I didn't, even, I didn't really need to do any screen sharing because you have the digital background for the video, but people, go check him out at carlswayworks.com. So carlswayworks.com. That's where everything is on the 800-pound grill. We'll have all this stuff linked in the show notes like we normally do. Uh, but Carl, how do you want to help close the show out today? I always ask my guest co-host to kind of leave behind like an all-encompassing message. This could be your you know, your, your legacy message to the world, everything that you're doing behind everything you're doing, but like, how would you like to sum up everything for your, for your listeners out there? So if you fail to learn, you're learning to fail. Oh man, that's good. Man. Oh, there, there you go. People, that's it. Short and sweet. I, I can't ask for a better way to close that out. You got to write that down. We got to quote that. That is a quote that's going in the show notes. People. We always note the final in the words anyway. Well, listen, Carl, hang tight. I want to give you probably a buy off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, stop failing, okay? Put in, put in the work, all right? Get to work, get to learning, but not just learning, but you know, start getting some training, okay? Grow yourself. And for the sales professionals out there like myself and like Carl, check them out, all right? Go to carlswayworks.com. Can't hurt, all right? Become an 800-pound gorilla. Feel better about your life, all right? People, this is what it's all about. We gotta grow. We're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Carl helped us do that today. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle, people. That's what it's all about, all right? So remember, you two can live the fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. 